This is an important story. Didn't get a lot of attention, but it should because an Ontario judge has made a ruling that would allow the defense to argue that an accused man was too intoxicated to know what he was doing when having sex with an intoxicated woman. This is a very tricky case, so I'm going to let Joe Newberger explain it when I bring him in. But here's the background of the case. So the accused is charged with the sexual assault of a woman who he had been drinking with, hanging out with. She was kind of sleeping. They had sex. You know, she woke up and he was on top of her. And he maintains he didn't know what he was doing when he had sex with her. And so the ruling is being made when the defense is trying to get certain arguments into the case, which is going to be heard by a jury in September. But the ruling's controversial because it undoes one of the most controversial Supreme Court rulings back in 1994 that extreme drunkenness could be looked at as the same as a robotic state, as a defense of sex assault. In other words, I was so blitzed, I had no clue what I was doing. So how can I possibly be guilty? That's my understanding of it. But I'm going to bring Joe Newberger into this case. Uh, because it is, I think, a lot of people looking at it going, oh, my God, this is a step back. So, hi, Joe. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, good. But i got to give you your title. You're a global news radio legal expert <laughs> and highly sexy profile criminal defense lawyer. And have I got it right? Very important. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did I get that right, kind of? Yes. Okay. Because okay, it was... So, this is a very important issue that, frankly, has been brewing for well over now two decades. And the Supreme Court of Canada's decision, in my opinion, and many other learned individuals in the field, is contrary to psychiatric evidence. So this is not a floodgates argument by advocates for victims of sexual violence that people will get off because they drink alcohol. Right. It's simply a defense based on good science. An individual, for whatever reason, and I'm not saying they're good individuals, if they consume a quantity of alcohol, drugs, or combination thereof, which renders them to a state of non-insane automatism, may render them incapable of appreciating their acts, which would vitiate the intent. That is the issue. The Supreme Court of Canada decision was, in my opinion, ridiculous. This is a good decision. Justice Spees is a very intelligent very respected, competent judge, who's frankly ruling should stand up on appeal, in my opinion. And it's also yeah, she's also a woman. Right. <laughs> right. So for anyone looking there saying, this is some draconian guy who has no clue. Right. But we have plenty of good decisions from female judges. I mean, Justice Malloy made a very yep. good decision in that case Great with judge. the cops who were charged. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of measuring good common sense, good law, good analysis, it's not about penalizing victims, penalizing accused. It's about good law. But it's, it's, this is good law. Okay, but if you're the defense lawyer on this case, isn't that kind of a messy defense? I mean, we're oh, talking... tough. Okay, but so what's to say then, Joe, that I... I mean, we've seen cases before the courts. Uh, I've, I've covered a couple of cases where... Um, uh, men who have been accused of sexual assault who were sleeping and prote- who said, well, yeah. I didn't know what I was yeah, doing yeah. because I was dreaming or I was sleeping. I mean, that's kind of like a, a bit of a gray zone where it's like, oh, so now all of a sudden you're claiming because you were dreaming or you were sleeping and you were like a zombie state that you didn't know you raped right. someone? Right. Yes, I know those cases. I know the, the forensic psychiatrist on that case. So the reality is these are a 
fraction, a minimal fraction of the defenses which are available out there. So you're talking about very minute cases, one out of 100,000. But there are psychiatric conditions brought about by alcohol or a certain sleep state where an individual may not appreciate what they're doing and they do not have the legal intent to satisfy the guilty verdict. That's the issue. And anybody who's drank, you know, large volumes of alcohol or consumed certain drugs, we don't like the fact that they've done that and then committed an act. But the voluntary consumption of it is not the end of the analysis. The analysis also has to look at very carefully what happened to the individual. How did that impact upon them? How did that impact upon their intent? And I think that's incredibly important. And in this case, this is important to restore defense, which is available to certain individuals in very specific circumstances. The other thing I want to say is you have to marshal very cogent, compelling forensic, psychiatric, and toxicology evidence to support this defense. Because, it's uh, not easy. Well, no, because then you could use the argument anytime you get in your car, let's say someone who's you know charged with impaired driving, you could use this argument, well, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I took a drink, but it clearly had an effect on me that I wasn't expecting. Right, and that would not apply. This has to uh, get to the level of non-insane automatism, and you need very specific toxicology evidence and forensic psychiatric evidence to try and establish this. And the defendant has that burden. Not easy, very challenging, will be rarely used, rarely successful. It's not a floodgates argument for people to say, oh, now we can just say I'm drunk, so I committed sexual assault, so what? I'm absolved of it because I drank. That's not what's going to happen as a result of this verdict. And nobody, nobody should assail this justice for being brave enough to make this decision. She is intelligent capable, very respected. This is a very good grounded decision. Well, it'll be interesting because this case goes in September. So it'll be interesting, I think, uh, to watch how it uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see how it's argued uh, in court. So we'll watch that. But I want I don't have a lot of time, but September. What's that? Bring me back. In yes. September. Well, I will. About it more. I'll bring you back probably tomorrow night because I'll have another one. Um, I'll be ready. I wanted to ask you quickly about the uh, B.C. Uh, case. Oh, yes. That that yeah. that's a big case. Yeah. And I was listening to your uh, your show it's a big case, but I agree with you. This is, you know, I can't say this on air, but it's it's just crap. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I hate, I, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. I'm not a civil litigator. But God, I hate stupid litigation. But how do you, where does it stop? You, you sue, you, you like, who? It's stupid. It's yeah. stupid. It's stupid. You know what? Pharmaceutical companies, they're businesses. They want to produce medication, produce it. The problem, like you said, is the issue is doctors who overprescribe and do not monitor. And it's only in the last five to ten years, frankly, last five years, where the government has paid attention to overprescription of opiate-based medications, seen the epidemic, and has tried to put in measures to control this. Because pain clinics are, it's an industry. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. my back hurts, my knee hurts, yeah. oxy, whatever. But then, but, but then, Joe, where do you stop? Because then you'd have to go after the pharmacist giving it. I mean, You're and right. at some point, someone has to take responsibility because no one is forcing the drugs. And I know drug uh, addiction is an illness. I know that. But again, at some point, you don't have to take the drugs. It is a You're choice. absolutely right. 
It's a voluntary decision. But I will say this, yep. okay? And I'm I'm all for individual responsibility, okay? I don't absolve people of that, even though I'm a criminal defense lawyer. <laughs> but, but the reality is, if somebody comes to a doctor, a pain management clinic, yeah. and they say, I've got a real issue, they have a, a, a back issue, an issue related to birth or whatever, and it's legitimate, and they get prescribed an opiate-based medication, over time, they do become addicted. Yeah. And, and, and these doctors do not monitor on an ongoing basis how addicted they become, how to try and source out other medications which are not as addictive to try and obviate or, or alleviate the, the, the issue. It's an obvious issue. But these doctors and these clinics, some of them, I'm not saying all, so if any listeners are doctors, I don't want them to have a heart attack at what I'm saying. But the reality is they do not monitor this type of issue sufficiently. And so there is a responsibility for the practitioner prescribing. And we have come a long way in the last five years. You will see if you're prescribed this medication, it's difficult. You're going to get, yeah. you know, frankly, cross-examined at the pharmacy, and there are far greater restrictions on it. But litigating against the pharmaceutical companies Oof. is, frankly, a waste of public funds. Yeah. It's stupid. It's a political ploy. And I have no patience for this type of stupidity. It wastes so much of the public. Yeah, time. yeah. Take the money and put it into treatment facilities. I gotta leave Absolutely it. Absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it'll be it'll go on for twenty, thirty years, and it'll cost billions of dollars. And all that money could have gotten into getting people, you know. You're absolutely healthy. right. Sometimes I am, Joe. Thank you. You're always right. <laughs> and you're always high profile and sexy. <laughs> yeah, I love you. <laughs> have a good show. You too. Thank you, Joe Newberger. Who I, I would, he's on my Rolodex of guys I'd hire, okay, if I got in trouble. I got about five, five lawyers that I would I'd hire if I got in trouble. He's on the list. Good thing I got his number. On point on Global News Radio.